can hear that. They can hear Ivan's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a bite down <laughs> Good evening. Uh, welcome to the Wulok Talks podcast, uh, episode number three. Uh, if you've stuck in with us for the, the previous two episodes, then you should know what we're about by now. If, if you're new, uh, welcome. This is where uh, myself, Big Gay, the Man Geek, and Rich will discuss movies, comic books, TV shows, and all the stuff that we love uh, about geek culture. Um, so, as said, I have Alvin and Rich with me. So, guys, say hello. Alvin, say hello. Hello. Evening all. Rich, say hello. Bonjour. Ça va? <laughs> I bet that's about all you know in friendship. No, no, I know, I know a couple of bad words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll save that for another podcast, yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, thanks for taking the time to join us. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, guilty pleasures. Now, um, what we mean by guilty pleasures is things that you know deep down inside your heart are terrible, but you love them. Um, everybody has one, uh, at least one. We have a couple. Um, and we've decided to uh, come up with some of our ideas for things that we would consider to be guilty pleasures. Things that, that, you know, we watch it, we read it, we engage with it, and we know it's terrible, but we still carry on watching it, reading it, and enjoying it anyway. Um, what we're going to do tonight is come up with a list of a few different things that uh, we think should make the Hall of Fame for absolute crap um, in various different categories. So the categories will be movies, TV, comics and video games. And um, hopefully by the end of this we should be able to um, put some things in the crap Hall of Fame and maybe even make some recommendations to you for things that we think you should be able to go and see. So um, guys, should we start with, well what, what do you guys want to start with actually? Um, I'm usually always starting this stuff off, so... Okay, you both come up with two different things, so... <laughs> we're going to need a time for quite a time for that. I don't think we can do this. Paper, scissors, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> How do you suppose it even... Rock, paper, scissors. Well, maybe... Um, you know what, I'll start because we, we kind of need to get on with this. So um, let me start. I'm going to start off, and I'm going to start off with video games, seeing as neither of you two said that. Um, now, video games, you know, like where I'm a somewhat casual gamer these days, I guess. Um, I just don't seem to have the time to, to play video games as much as I, I really used to enjoy it. Um, but Alvin, I know you're uh, a big time gamer. Uh, Rich, I know you're a gamer as well. So coming up with uh, a couple of suggestions for like bullshit video games that you absolutely love probably isn't that difficult for us. Um, so Alvin, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, what man. would you recommend for people as a guilty pleasure in video games? Why do you like it? And why do you know deep down it's shit? <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, come up with uh, Wanted Weapons of Fate. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> which is a sequel to the Wanted movie. Right? And I enjoy Wanted, which is actually a guilty pleasure movie as well. So, uh, mm. But yeah, Wanted Weapons of Fate, man. It was just like... 
It's okay. And it's a half decent cover base shooter. But it is shit because it doesn't really offer you anything. It doesn't do anything new for gaming in any way, shape, or form. The graphics were a bit cack. The controls were okay as well. It ju- it just doesn't offer that much. But you can fucking curve bullets. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking sick when you're hid behind some cover and you're like, shit, how do I get out of this one? Oh, I've got a bullet curve saved, and you just line it up. And you throw that fucking bullet, and it hits someone in the head. That is fucking sick. And there's, I've not played a single other game that's done that ever. So it's one of the most satisfying things to me, where you're just running through that game, sliding about, and then, you know, curving a bullet is just fucking wicked. But everything else about the game is just like mediocre at best. The bosses are pretty shit. They're not that much hassled. I mean, I completed the game in about about what about three sittings, three or four sittings of like maybe about two hours of sitting, and then that mm. was it. It was done. Not played it again since, and then that was it. But yeah, that's my guilty pleasure game, man. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you with um, Wanted, the video game. <laughs> that was... I remember getting that as well after the, the movie came out, and then I think it, it went back to the shop within about four days. So I was just like, nope. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I cannot see it through this shit. And the curving bullets thing was, was cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I really did enjoy that. But that was probably the one aspect of the game where I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can take that. Um, so, yeah, Wanted Weapons of Fate goes on the list. Uh, Rich, you want to go next? Yep, sure. Okay, so I actually didn't pick a video game, um, but you know what? After just after you brought up the topic, and after I've heard what just what Alvin just put down, I'm kind of going going to go like a similar route of Alvin. Um, into the Matrix and Matrix. <laughs> I went there. Early nineties, leather, <laughs> dark glasses, even in summertime. Yeah, man, I'm there. Listen. You see, like the way how you talk about wanted, you could be Neo, the one. Like you can't get better than that. But True. time, bullet. Listen, bullet. I remember watching them in the cinema, and I could you not the whole cinema. Whenever something like special happened in that film, that everyone was just like, oh, oh, wow. And now you could have t- you're trying to tell me that I can do this in a video game and be that character. Listen, when that game came out, I bought it straight. And I'm Jay, uh, and Jay, you were, <laughs> I bought into the Matrix, and you came to my house, and I said, "We're not going out." This was the out that night that you got it as well, from what I remember. We just ended up like, inside yeah. your your yeah. house playing into the Matrix. Yeah, uh, Alvin, Alvin, listen to this. I got into the Matrix. I played it for so long. Jason just went to bed, and then woke up. when he woke up, he was like, "Bro, like." <laughs> Where have you slept? I was like, no. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm waiting for you to mention the best bit of that game. You know what? The, 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 to tell the truth, there's so many. That, you know what it is? The, the getting, fighting um, Agent Smith was amazing. Um, or the, if you're talking about, yeah, but, well, if you're talking about Enter the Matrix, um, yeah, fighting the uh, Agent Smiths or the agents, the driving, and the bits where it kind of coincides with what's happening in the, in the Matrix. Um, Reloaded in the Matrix Revolutions, because the films hadn't been released at that point. So the reason why I love this film and why it's such a guilty pleasure is because you know everything about it is actually quite average. Like the graphics are average, uh, the mechanics of the of, of the game are average, but 
it takes place alongside those films. So there's so when you see the films, everything makes sense. So I mean, a prime example of of it of like, and it's almost like because you when you play it, if no one else has played that game, you know, and other people won't know. So it's like you know, as ultimate geek and nerdgasm. But there's a bit like in the Matrix Reloaded, you know, the bit where they're having the fight on the freeway, and then Morpheus gets knocked off, gets knocked off the the back of the truck, and he lands on Niobe's car. Basically, in the game, one of the levels is that you you have to get to this truck where you see um. Uh, and Morpheus fighting against Agent Smith, and there's one bit where you're kind of driving on, on one side of the road, and the cars on the other, and the trucks on the other side, and you can see them fighting on top, and you have to get to the back of the truck just before Agent Smith or one of the agents, sorry, punches um, Morpheus of the of the of the truck, and then you catch him. Shit, son, do you know how do you know how happy that made you feel? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, like, that's all I'm gonna say. That's what Enter the Matrix, the path of Neo. You could be Neo. It was the same exact thing as that, as that, you know, as as you know, as the one that that I was just talking about. But you could be the 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 the, the main character, like you could be the one. Take into account that when I first saw the Matrix, that's the film that actually eventually made me take up martial arts, and now I could do it, and now I could do it on the screen. That's it. I'm sold. I'm sold. That was it, man. <laughs> Did you know uh, the hacking? The hacking was a wicked bit of Enter the Matrix. When you get the sword and all that, I don't know if you ever did that. Hold on, hold on. Uh, what the part of Neo or the or Enter the Matrix? Enter the Matrix, the hacking, the hacking section. Oh, so, so hold on. Well, you have to put codes in and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, right? yeah, that. I spent like a good few hours on that, like towards oh, after I completed the game. I think I got like all of them. Yeah. But then, like, listen, like, I mean, I'm sure as, as some of these listeners will hear, I, I'm an intelligent guy, but I, I'm still like to think of my fists and stuff. So when it came to hacking stuff, I was like, I just wanna, I just wanna get to the main game and just shoot guns and kick people in the slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dope game. You're making me want to play it again, actually. To be honest. <laughs> Dark, I yeah. don't want to play it. <laughs> 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 I don't. I thought it was fucking awful. But um, but at the same time, no, I totally understand what you're saying about um, the idea that you could be the one. You know, we when we went to, I remember when me and you went to watch the, the Matrix in cinema, and um, how we literally like when they did the first bullet time scene with um, Trinity and the police officers in in the building, and literally, I think the cinema kind of audibly gasped and went <gasps> because it yeah. was just nobody had ever seen anything like that before, you know, on, on a movie. And when you had a video game that was saying you could do this stuff in the game and you could control that character and you could be a part of that world, I was like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> That's, how, how could that ever be a bad thing? And then you play the game and you're like, okay, it's, it's cool, but it's not quite the same as the movie, really. It's a bit glitchy and a bit weird, the movement's a bit weird, the, the physics is a bit kind of off and you know the characters run like they're a jelly at times and it's all a bit... Running through walls and glitchy. Yeah, <laughs> it just was weird but um, definitely that the, 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 the fact is you know you settled in your mind that it's the Matrix so I'm going to like it regardless. So, um, Enter the Matrix is definitely a good one, so we'll put that on there. And it was Enter the Matrix, Richard, yeah? Um, yeah. Not uh, The Path of Neo. No, 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 no. Listen, we're going to talk about the Matrix, we're going to do it properly. You have to put both of them on. <laughs> 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 Alright, fair enough. 
fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so we've got Wanted, Weapons of Fate, Enter the Matrix, and uh, The Path of Neo. Um, right, so my choice, well, my choice, I was kind of thinking of things that, like, I really enjoyed playing a while back, and then I played recently, and I, I was just horrified by it, and there isn't many. Um, I was thinking of putting down Yakuza um, from PS2, uh, but then I thought, how the hell could I ever do that when it's um, the, the main character, Kazuma Kiryu, he's voiced in the American version by, um, what's the actor's name, the guy who played Lex Luthor on Smallville? Oh, Clancy oh, Brown. No, wait, on Smallville? Oh, right, yeah. I've got the completely wrong person. Rosenbaum, that guy. Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum. Yeah, Rosenbaum. Michael yeah. Rosenbaum, yeah, that's the guy. Um, he actually voices Kazuma Kiryu on, on the American version of Yakuza. So it was like you were a Yakuza gangster walking around Tokyo sounding like Lex Luthor. I was like, this, this, is, the, this is just epic. Like, I don't even care that the fight scenes are shit and that the mechanics are shit and that the controls are sticky. I don't care. This is amazing. But when I thought about it, there's actually another game that honestly... Um, I managed to play this again uh, about two years ago. No, in fact, I managed to play it again very, very recently. Um, I went to a gaming bar, and they had a copy of it on uh, PS2, and it's Spider-Man Friend or Foe. Oh, um, wow. That game is unbelievably bad. <laughs> unbelievably bad. Like, it... Nothing in the game makes any sense at all from the way that the character moves, from the design of the, the cityscapes where you, you swing into a certain part of the city and another part of it just disappears. Where does it go? I don't know. <laughs> it just vanishes. Um, the, the fact that, that when you shoot webs and, and you're swinging around, you, you manage to somehow stick to thin air. Um, <laughs> like the, the fighting... Mechan mechanisms are, are just crap, just utter, utter crap. And me personally, like I've, I've been ashamed to admit this, but deep down, I'm a button basher. So I like anything where <laughs> I don't have to concentrate, I don't have to think of tactics. I could just hit X repeatedly and pull off like stupid moves that are going to pummel some bad guys. Face it. But on Spider-Man Friend or Foe, it was just so uh, ill thought out. The the way that the the controls worked. None of it made any sense. But then, I remembered what it was that I loved about that game, and it was all the cameos in it. Um, there was a scene where you met Wolverine, and it was um, voiced by, um, God, what's his name again? I'm, I'm really bad with names with this one. Um, the guy who's uh, the voice of Spike and uh, Wolverine in um, the X-Men anime. Okay, I still haven't seen that, dude. Um, yeah, but Rich, what's his name? You know the, the guy who does the voice of Spike on Cowboy Bebop? Oh, Steve Blum. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah Steve Blum. It's Steve Blum who did the voice of Wolverine on that. And um, the, the way that the scene plays out, it plays out just like a comic book. Like yeah. there's literally a, a scene where you're, you're chasing a character and then you hear the kind of snicked of Wolverine's claws in, in the cutscene and, and then you turn around and there's Wolverine there. Um, 
there's a really good level as well where you're chasing the, the green goblin through the city. Again, ignore the fact that you're shooting webs into thin air, they're sticking to nothing, and you're somehow managing to chase the green goblin. Ignore that. But there's a really good chase with the, um, the, the green goblin in that as well, which is actually really fun um, to play. But um, it, it was the, the kind of moments like that that kind of spoke to the geek in me. So I was like, you know what? This is okay. Like, I'm actually enjoying this. And then um, I put the controller down after about an hour, and I was like, wait, why do my fingers hurt after only an hour? I was like, oh, yeah, because you don't actually have to <laughs> do anything in this game other than just press random buttons at random times and hope that something cools off because the way that the game is, is fought out, there's just no kind of logic to it whatsoever. So um, for me, like Spider-Man Friend or Foe was a game that was um, really, really crappy, but at the same time, really addictive on that kind of geeky, I need geeky shit level, you know. Um, so for me, that was that was my choice. So Spider-Man Friend or Foe um, is the one that I'm going to put forward. Um, right, so we need to pick one of these guys to go in the Craptastic Hall of Fame. Yeah. So... What do you reckon? We've got Wanted, Weapons of Fate, Enter the Matrix, The Path of Neo, and Spider-Man, Friend or Foe. I'm, I'm going to go for Enter the Matrix. I want Enter the Matrix in there because that is a... That is, I forgot how much I enjoyed that, but also at the same time, hated how it looked. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Well, you know, I'm going to go for Enter the Matrix just for the simple fact that um, that and the sequels of the original film are prime examples of something which started off so golden, but then ended up so <laughs> and bronzed and brown. <laughs> like, they, 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 they literally just pulled their pants down and took a crap over all over that entire franchise. It's like, we've done all this hard work. Now let's completely ruin it. <laughs> but it was, it was like a polished turd. That's what it's like. Yes. It yes. was so good looking, but it was shit. The rest of the movies, polished turd. Um, Alright, so... I think I'm going to go with Enter the Matrix as well because I think there's, um, while I did kind of like the path of Neo in some way, um, I didn't really feel guilty about playing it um, because I was still Neo. That's the way I saw it. Whereas in Enter the Matrix, you're two random characters that you didn't even get introduced to before because they, they introduced that game before the film came out. So you didn't even get any real thorough introduction into who those two characters were. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, 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 that's two characters I was playing in the game. And it's like, what? <laughs> that doesn't mean no sense. Yeah. But nonetheless, it was still amazing to kind of pull off, um, you know, the feats of, of the Matrix that the actors pull off in the movie in the game to be in control of that. So, yeah, Enter the Matrix, I think we'll recommend that for um, the Craptastic Hall of Fame. So if you haven't played that before, um, and especially if you're a retro gamer, have a look for that. Um, it is definitely worth, what, it'll probably be about 50p today. <laughs> so it'd be I worth reckon, 50p. I reckon it'd be about a tenner. Well, you think so? Yeah, because it would be hard to get, man. I reckon so. Maybe. I reckon it'd be five or ten yeah, pounds. Possibly. possibly. A, ten, a, ten, a ten and the red pill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, en uh, enter the Matrix. Go have a look for it. Seek it out. You'll thank us later. Um, okay. Uh, shall we go with TV shows? Yep. Yeah, let's yeah, do, let's do yeah. it. You good with that? 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so TV shows, I mean, we're roughly kind of the same age. I'm not going to reveal our ages on this, don't worry, but you'll probably work it out anyway, viewers, from the, the suggestions that we make. But um, it's fair to say, I think, that between the three of us, we've seen a lot of crappy television. Um, so it's probably going to be quite difficult, I imagine, to, to settle down on one. I know I found it difficult to, to settle down on one that I thought was so bad, it's, it's just brilliant. Um, but I did manage to, to kind of whittle it down and get to one. But, um, Rich, uh, do you want to start us off with your choice for your guilty pleasure in TV? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, so the TV show I've chosen ran from 1992 to 1998. So that was how many seasons? Six seasons. Six seasons, people. Remember that. That's mm. six seasons had of this guilty pleasure, amazingly crap show, right? It was a spin-off of a film. Uh, which is considered a cult classic, but with a lot of shit sequels. I'm gonna just gonna give you the narration of the beginning beginning of this TV show. All right, I'm Duncan MacLeod, born 400 years ago in the Highlands of Scotland. I am immortal, and I am not alone. For centuries, we have waited for the time of the gathering, when a stroke of a sword and the fall of a head will release the power of the quickening. In the end, there can be only one. If you don't know, if you don't know what that is, basically, it's it's Highlander. All right. So this was the spin-off of the 1986 film with Christopher Lambert and uh, Sean Connery. I only ever do one accent for no matter what role I'm playing, you know, <laughs> apart from James Bond. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's my guilty pleasure. And it was just a thing of, I just loved this show because it just stripped down what was everything that was good in the film and, and basically just kept to that format. Like every single episode was the same thing. So you you know you'd have like Connor you know just going about doing his business. Sorry, Duncan going about doing his business. Uh, a bad Thailander would come. You'd get some form of flashback or a couple of flashbacks, and then basically they would have a fight at the end. And then obviously the bad guys had to get chopped off. And then a quick thing would happen in which lightning would come, and then all that person's knowledge and power would be transferred then to Duncan. Right. So the only special only money they had to pay in special effects was shitty lightning at the end of the, at the at the end of the at the end of the episode. That's number one. Number two, the acting. The acting was is good for what it is, but the guy who plays Duncan McLeod, uh, Adrian Paul, who I'm a very very big fan of, uh, I was first introduced to him on a, for another guilty pleasure show, which um which I might put down at a, a later date, which was called War of the Worlds, and he kind of he kind of has a voice like this. No matter where he plays, so you know he'd be set. They'd have flashbacks of where he's set, like the Chinese dynasty, and he'd have, he'd have that accent. He'd be like a you know set in 1930s Chicago gangster mob family, and he'd have that same accent. And then in, in the modern day, he'd have that same accent. So essentially, the only money this show spent on um, this show spent on was costumes when he had to do flashbacks, and I just find that amazing. That's number two. Number three. Anybody who's a fan of Arrow. Has to agree with me. That basically, Arrow just took, especially for the first season, <laughs> took the format of Highlander and said, "Hey, man, let's just get like the guy who plays, you know, Oliver Queen, and for each flashback, we'll give him a really shit wig." And, a, and, and, a, and a... <laughs> <laughs> that's still Arrow now. <laughs> that's Arrow now, right? So, about how good, about how shittingly good this Highlander series, TV series was. It had a spin-off, two spin-offs, right? And fucking films with people like Donnie Yen doing the choreography for it. 
these like basically when they made the films and the films were shit and then they made the TV show the TV show had such a uh, such a large following um, that they basically like just try to continue this this series in any which way or form so they they were comic books they were films they were cartoons As, essentially like you know what happened years later with Serenity or with Firefly you know with Joss Whedon you know bringing Serenity the movie they did it years they did it years before Highlander the TV series um, and I mean what what else was a really good thing for me it was it was just really really textbook characters. So you had your main protagonist, um, which would be like Duncan, who was like Batman. Then you had like a little young kid, who was like a thief. You know, if you if you're seeing any parallels of like you know you know um, having a psychic who used to be a thief, then maybe you're thinking of maybe Jason Todd, who was like the second Robin, so who was good at what he does, but kind of annoying, and you want to see him get beaten up every episode. And he also ends up being a Highlander as well. And then he, she, and then he also had Tessa, who was like Duncan's girlfriend, and she was basically like the female equivalent of, you know, Alfred. But um, yeah, it was, it was just a show that I, I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed seeing, you know, every week and the random cameo guest appearances by actors who didn't even thought even acted anymore. So I remember, I mean, this is the most famous or the most out there one that I remember just before I, you know, before I leave it, was a, an actor called Peter Howell. Who's actually now a director, and he's actually directed quite a few famous British films. But he also used to play a character called Jerry Bosworth on a TV show called Bread in the 80s, which was on BBC One, which is about a family um, set up in Liverpool. But you know what? Um, before I digress and start going into like pure chasm, like I'm just going to leave it there and say Highlander, the TV series, which was so incredibly bad, but lasted six seasons and had two spin-offs and two films. There you go. Cool, cool. I'm, I'm amazed at the way you managed to um, draw parallels between Highlander and uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> you, you paid you paid high praise to Highlander with that. <laughs> that that TV show. Wow. <laughs> but nope, nope, nope. You've done a great job, man. You've done a great job. So Highlander, the series, uh, is Richie's contribution. Um, Alf. What you got for us, man? Uh, all right. <laughs> um, I, see, I don't know what to go with. You know, I've got three choices, and you can pick one, right? Uh, so I've got Smallville, yeah. Gotham, yeah. Yeah. and uh, Hercules. Hercules. Gotham. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Gotham because I can speak more about that. Because Hercules, it was just good because it was punching, and then story-wise, nothing happened. Nothing ever meant anything in that show. It was just go around punching people, and it was. But anyway, <laughs> Gotham. You know, and I hate myself for it as well, right? Because when Gotham first kicked off, I thought, oh, this could be alright. And then quickly they proved me wrong, and they just started doing weird fucking things, and. It's just an odd show. It's like, I don't think they care anymore. But because of that, I kind of have to respect them for it. They kind of went, you know what, let's just do our own thing. Uh, let's let's have freaking Penguin be in it. And he's just like this this weird dude and all this. Let's have the Mafia in it. Let's have this Jada Pinkett Smith as Fish Mooney. She's terrible, but then she's also brilliant at the same time somehow. And I just, I enjoy it. I was actually sad when, spoilers, first season... Uh, she, inverted commas, dies, uh, but she came back at the end of, uh, was this season two that ended, or three, I can't even remember, but she came back, yeah, season three, right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, she came back at the end of season three, and I was just like, 
brilliant. I love Fish Mooney. She's she's a terrible character. She's over the top. She's like a pantomime dame. But I can't I can't not enjoy it. I can't I can't not watch the show. I should stop watching it, but it is just one of those things where you're just like you know what, you're going somewhere with it at least, you're doing something different. But at the same time I hate myself for it as well. Because some yeah. of the characters are way too over the top. It is too clownish, it is silly. Having a Batman show without Batman is is dumb. And having Jim Gordon be kind of like the Batman proxy is also dumb. Having most of Batman's villains in the show as freaking 30 and 40-somethings is dumb. But the show's fun for some reason, and I, and I can't quite put my finger on it. It's like, I don't know, eating sour milk or something like that. I have no idea. But, yeah, Gotham, that's my guilty pleasure show. Yeah. Cool, fair enough, man. Fair enough. That's a good choice. Um, personally, with Gotham, I gave up after series one, and I didn't look back. And my life has been perfect <laughs> without it, and I don't live my life anymore. So <laughs> I'm all good. I'll top but I totally understand it. Sorry, go on, Rich. No, I'll, say, I'll top you on that one. That you watched the first episode. I read the synopsis for it, and basically what you said, Arvin, is like, what? A show that's a Batman but has no Batman. No, thank you. No, 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 no. Woman. No, 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 no. Come on, forget that. <laughs> I mean, I, I was um, with Gotham. I, for some stupid reason, read the synopsis before uh, it came out and thought, oh my god, this is going to be like Gotham Central. Um, for those that don't know, Gotham Central was uh, like a, a comic book run. Um, who, who was the writer of that? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I can't remember. No, because I, I can't remember either. I'll, I'll, I will look that up and I'll, um, and, uh, I'll put that in the description box uh, with this YouTube video when it goes up. So if you haven't read Gotham Central, you can uh, go and have a look for it. Uh, it is very, very good. Uh, comic book series, um, and essentially with with Gotham Central, it's um, Gotham stories without Batman. So it's how uh, the Gotham PD actually deal with uh, supervillains and and with the kind of crazy criminals that, that Batman comes across without the presence of Batman. Um, so it's actually a really really interesting read. Um, and when I read the synopsis for Gotham, I was like, oh my god, yeah, it's going to be an adaptation of that. This is going to be great. And instead, we caught like one of the worst things I've ever seen on TV. It was just the the acting is just uniformly atrocious, like all the way through. There there isn't one person that I can really no. There is one person. Um, the guy who plays Penguin. Um, I've forgotten his, yeah, his name now, but he's very good, very very good. Um, the rest of them, oh my lord! Uh, when they shoehorn Catwoman in uh, at the beginning, and she was just kind of like a snotty-nosed kid and, and really nasty and just difficult to kind of connect with. Um, you know, the young Bruce Wayne is, is so cold. He's like a bloody fridge freezer. It's just <laughs> there's nothing there. And, you know, um, Ben McKenzie, the guy who plays Jim Gordon, he's, you know, he's okay, but he's far too, the, the way they've written the character, he's, he's just far too earnest. Um, and it doesn't really work considering how much corruption and shit he's, he's been chucked into the middle of. 
Um, for me, it just it just doesn't work. You can't be that earnest and be in the middle of all of this and be no, I'm the good principal man who's always going to do the right thing. Um, and I know people who are fans of the show who said you know his character has evolved a bit um, since then. Um, but yeah, for me, I was just like yeah, no, nope. I was like rich and just said nope, no thanks. <laughs> Walked away. Well, um, my choice is going to be very controversial, so we're probably going to lose followers, subscribers, and all sorts now. <laughs> but um, my choice, and Alvin, I think you know what's coming next. Uh, my choice sure. is The Walking Dead. Oh, what? Oh, my Dead. God. I think I just had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> For me, The Walking Dead, I think it was maybe... Um, see, a lot of people complained about season two, and I found it boring. It was very slow, but I felt the, the, the character development at that point was okay. The problem was for me, after season two, it, they just rinse and repeat the same storyline again and again and again. And it just became like too much for me. I could I couldn't take it anymore. Like when I'm watching a TV show, um, and I get invested in it, and then I get invested in in some of the characters. What I want to see is is kind of a progression. I want you to to see you kind of push characters into to different directions, um, and that worked well with um, some characters at the beginning. I mean. Um, Glenn is like a really strong character, one of my favourites in, in the show because of the progression he's gone through um, and because of the fact that his progression has seemed realistic as well. Um, Carol, on the other hand, is... I don't know what the hell's gone on there because it's like she's become a female Rambo or something. Like, it, it, I, I just... I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't get it. Um, and... Whilst watching her like take on um, the bad guys at, at, at Terminus was was epic, um, and I won't lie about that. That was just amazing fun to watch. In the back of my mind, I was like, "This is a woman who, like four years ago, was scared of her own shadow and was getting beaten by her husband, and now like she knows how to use rocket launchers, is excellent at camouflage, and is just an all-around ninja." And I was like, "It doesn't make." sense like, to me. Um, I also don't like the way they, they just kind of kill off anybody that they know is, is not going to be part of, of uh, the, the main character storylines and, and the main characters. Like in the comic books, for example, um, you know, they have no problem with building a character up and then killing them off if there's nowhere for, for that character to go. Um, and it... Yeah, and, and, and it leaves an, an impact on you because you're like, wow, I actually was, was starting to like that, that character. I really liked where they were going. Certainly on the first, I would say, what, the first four seasons of The Walking Dead, you could pretty much tell who was going to die. They were walking around with dead tattooed on their foreheads because yeah, you just yeah. knew the writers didn't give a fuck what they were, <laughs> these people were doing. They were just like, yeah, you're here to, to fill in the background, connect the dots, give us some exposition. And Oops, oh, sorry, you served your purpose. Bye. And off you go. And it just, they keep doing it all the time. And then the misdirect with um, Glenn, as much as it was quite emotional for me to watch 
Glenn go um, you know get trapped underneath the um, guy who kills himself I've forgotten his name and then the walkers um, come along and, and attack um, that was really tough to watch because I was like oh my god like this guy that I really, really have enjoyed watching perhaps my favourite character in the show who's gone through this amazing progression um, has met this groovy end. And I was actually, in a way, kind of happy with it because I was kind of like, you know what, it, it made sense. It, it made sense for him to kind of lose his life in that way because that's the type of, of, of guy he was. He was going to be somebody who would still be trying to talk down a guy who's, you know, who's tried to kill him who is, is trying to kill himself in front of him and is probably endangering him uh, in the process. Um, that that suited Glenn. So then when he somehow survived by hiding under a bin for God knows how long without needing to piss, shit, eat, <laughs> or do anything else that normal people do in those kind of situations and rolled out and was fine, I was like, come on, man. Like, I... I get it that people love, like, the, the fans of the show love the relationship between him and Maggie, and I do like it too. They, they do play off each other very, very well. But, like, really? <laughs> really? He survived that? Really? You know, you're, you're, I, I'm a big-time comic book reader, you know, movie watcher. I can suspend my disbelief, believe me, but that, to me, was, was a bridge too far. Um so for me, the the Walking Dead, it, you know, I still I still going to end up watching it. I hated what they did at the end of the recent season, where they um, showed Negan arriving and then showed a POV shot of him beating someone, some mystery person over the head. Um, I hated that. Like it was that that's so it's such a cheap trick to make sure that everybody comes back to to watch the, the next season. It's like, why do that? You've, you're already raking in, like, you know, they easily pull in 4 million viewers minimum um, an episode. I mean, last season, they were pulling in, like, something like 14 million viewers per episode. Like, they're, they're raking in viewers. They're not losing viewers. So why did you need to do that at the end of the episode? You could have just told everybody, okay, Negan's turned up. He He's going to kill somebody. And he's going to kill Glenn. Look, he's bashing his head in. And then leave them on that cliff, people have to dip process that and think, "Wow, shit! Like, what is coming next season? Like, a, a, a character that I've I've grown to love has been killed off by Negan. Instead, it's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Oh, 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 that's a big mystery. Um, no, no, it's not. It's just frustrating, and it doesn't surprise me that a load of people complained about it at, at the end. Um, so yeah, for me, it's it's such a frustrating watch. And yet, having me having said all of that. I'm probably still going to tune in when it comes back on the air again. Um, and I've said so many times before, I'm done with this show. I'm done investing in it. I'm done caring about it. Um, the manipulative writers are just manipulating me to make sure I keep watching the show. But you know what? I'm their bitch now. <laughs> so, so I've just accepted it. And, and, and as I said, I'll be tuning in when the new season starts. Um... So what do you think, guys, uh, for our recommendation for Guilty Pleasure for TV? Do we go with Highlander the series, uh, The Walking Dead, or Gotham? I'm going to go with Walking Dead. Yeah? Um, yeah. Alf, 
I know that's gonna hurt, man. So come yeah, on, back it. you know what, right? <laughs> just because like I'm a bit of a slave to that show, I'll back the Walking Dead just so it wins. Because I, I like it, so I'm saying the Walking Dead. <laughs> Anything to keep hold of them damn walkers. <laughs> well, um, I think out of three, um, Highland of the series is craptastic, Rich. Um, I do love it as well, and I'll admit that. Um, there's something about Adrian Paul doing one accent in regardless of where he is or what time frame he's in in uh, history, that he's only able to speak in one accent. That's very endearing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I can probably take it or leave it with, with that. Yeah. Um, and Gotham, well, yeah, said, uh, fuck Gotham. So, yeah, it's going to have to be The Walking Dead, I think. So, folks, uh, we're going to enter The Walking Dead onto our craptastic list recommendations. Um, those of you who are watching this are probably familiar with the show, but um, I'll put up a link uh, for where you can watch it anyway um, at the end of the video in the comments box. Uh, okay, so we've done uh, video games and we've done TV shows. Um, yep. So let's get on to the big two then. Uh, Right, shall we go for comic books, guys? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, right, um, who went first last time? Rich went first, didn't you? So, Alf, you're up, mate. Mm. Um, what's your recommendation for comics? Okay. Uh, two, did you say? Uh, no, it could just be one, unless you've got two. No one, cool, awesome. Uh, then I'm going to go with, and I wasn't going to go with this originally, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Star Wars Kanan, uh, which features Kanan Jarrus from the uh, Clone Wars, not Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and, well, I mean, good because it's Star Wars, and it's got, obviously, Jedi and flashbacks and fighting, and it's actually got pretty good art, but really, I don't give a toss about what happens in it at all. That The story of Kanan Jarrus as... Uh, Caleb Doom, I think his previous name was, when he was a bloody Padawan. I actually don't give a shit about It's like he should have told his story freaking when bloody Clone Wars was happening in episode 2 and 3. That's the point that he should have freaking shown as this character and all that business. So to go back, it's just kind of like yawn, freaking prequel period, and all this shit anyway. Fucking, what can you tell me? I know he survived because it's a bloody flashback bloody comic all freaking 12 episodes. <laughs> so it means fuck all. It doesn't yeah. mean a goddamn thing. Yeah, but it's fucking really Star Wars and it's Jedi and it's force push, force pull, fucking jumping about, deflecting blaster bolts and all that shit. It's fucking Star Wars, isn't it? So it's just like, oh, fuck. It's like I'm a slave to Star Wars comics. Like, I get them all. Uh, half of them I don't even enjoy. Like, I don't even, I'm not even enjoying Darth Vader at the moment because all he does is walk around, kills everyone. <laughs> Anyone who gets introduced isn't going to survive or is going to die at some point. They introduced some black like freaking uh, Imperial, which was bloody weird because they're retroactively diversifying Star Wars, which just comes across as odd. So now when you watch A New Hope, it's like it stands out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, even in that. But yeah, Star Wars comics in general at the moment, the miniseries are pretty good. This is what I was saying earlier today, actually. Miniseries are pretty good, apart from Princess Leia. But everything else is just kind of like, 
there's there's no suspense here. But yeah, pretty much Star Wars comics as a whole, but particularly Star Wars Kanan. That's that's the main one. Okay. All right, cool. Star Wars Kanan then goes on the list. Uh, we'll just write that down. Um, Rich, my choice is is probably gonna cause me to be quite emotional. Um, you might need to do an intervention for me because um, I've <laughs> finally accepted that this comic book arc is utter crap. But um, <laughs> uh, do you want to go first or should I? No, you go. You can go first. You can go first. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, for my choice, I'm. It's a heavy heart that I'm admitting this. Um, but there was a, a comic book run um, from the early 1990s um, from Marvel Comics, um, which was called Rise of the Midnight Suns. Um, <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> it hurts. Are you sure you want to go? <laughs> uh, Rise of the Midnight Suns um, is uh, very much a kind of, of the, the Marvel's gothic line for those who don't know um, about that comic book run um, and it featured uh, a shit ton of characters um, it, loads and loads and loads of them um, and it came out at a time when I was really into like the, the gothic stuff that Marvel were doing so I used to um, read a lot of Doctor Strange uh, back issues um, and all kinds of things that, that dealt with demons and, and um, interdimensional kind of um, alternate universes and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and Rise of the Midnight Suns uh, had like what I considered at the time to be one of the best teams going. Um, I actually got the list down here. Uh, on the iPad, so let me just run through it quickly. So at different times, uh, the team consisted of the Night Stalkers, which was uh, Blade, Frank Drake, and Hannibal King, uh, Morbius the Living Vampire, uh, the team that was known as the Spirits of Vengeance, um, which was Danny Ketch as Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, uh, who was Ghost Rider as well, and then Michael Baldino, who was Vengeance, um, and the Darkhold Redeemers, uh, which was Sam Buchanan, uh, Victoria Montesi, uh, and Louise Hastings. Um, though that collective was, was known as the Midnight Suns, and they were brought together um, by Doctor Strange to take on um, Lilith, who was the, the daughter of the devil, um, who was threatening to open a portal and um, steal some garbage, I don't know what it was, um, from the Earth realm and allow demons to live permanently in, in the human world. So these guys were, were brought together to fight um, against that force. And I recently reread um, the run, and it's some of the worst writing that you'll ever come across. Uh, I mean, Blade is written like by somebody who's kind of I don't know, maybe watched a, a couple of Yo MTV rap videos from like the kind of mid 90s and <laughs> he speaks in this kind of odd, odd, like dated um, street lingo, I guess you'd call it. Um, it, it it's terrible. Like some of the lines are, are just so bad. Um, he also. He's also got like weird weapons as well in there that, that don't make any sense. Um, and there's no real explanation as to why he's got those weapons. Um, 
half of the Midnight's uh, sons are all vampires. So it's like, where's the variety here? Like, everybody in your team is a vampire. Blade is a half vampire. You've got Hannibal King, who's a vampire. Frank Drake, who's a, fan, who's a vampire private investigator. Ooh, <laughs> a bit of variety there. Yeah, he's a private investigator. <laughs> you know. Um, Morbius, um, the, the Spider-Man villain Morbius, uh, who's the living vampire. And it's just like, okay, guys, like, so we get it. <laughs> You're all vampires. But how are you going to fight this thing at night? Because there's literally parts in the story where it's just Blade and um, the Spirits of Vengeance because they can't even go out at night, <laughs> like at, at day, sorry, because of, um, they're not immune to sunshine in the way Blade is. So it's like you've added all of these characters and then kind of done nothing with them. They're just there floating around in the background. And then at different points they kind of jump in like suddenly and... It just it doesn't make no sense. Um, the artwork on it is really nice. There's some really nice splash pages on there. Um, but reading it, I just thought, my God, this is <laughs> so bad. It's so, so bad. And it's painful because, as I said, I, I really, really love um, some of Marvel's kind of gothic um, characters and the kind of things they did with them. And, um, I said that kind of early 90s period, um, things they were doing with Doctor Strange was really, really cool. So... Um, for me, it's it's hard to admit that it's cack, but it is cack. But then you know what? Deep down inside, I still, I still love it, even though I know it's shit. And you know, I could literally, we could end this podcast. I could go and pick up my comic books and read them now, and be screaming at the pages. It's like, why the fuck are you doing that? And then still carry on reading it. I don't know. Um, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but there you go. Um, so yeah, that's me. It's Rise of the Midnight Suns for me. Um, Rich, what's yours, man? I, I just, I just didn't ask. Like, are you okay, Jay? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I need like five, ten minutes or so to compose myself. So please take your time whilst talking through the next piece. If you hear any sobbing in the background, then you know why. <laughs> okay. uh, my comic book is a specific arc as well. Uh, it took place from February 1996 to December 1997 and it was Uncanny, Uncanny X-Men issues 341 to 350 right? and basically what happened, oh so okay so the artist on that book was Joe Maggiwera anybody uh, who yeah, yeah, I remember that these um, comic books um, Joe Maggiwera I'd probably say well not even just Joe Maggiwera himself but there was like a, a really really like just influx of artists such as Joe Maggiwera, um, a guy called Humberto Ramos, uh, J. Scott Campbell, I think even Michael Turner book came out around that time as well, where they basically had all these really amazing different styles of art. But I'm talking like you could tell that they were looking to different parts of like the world to that you know that helped influence how they were putting these these characters onto 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 the page. So, uh, but I mean, but sticking to not to digress, but um, Joe Maggiwera was the artist for this for Uncanny X-Men, and he was his art style was an amazing like anime you know Japanese animations you know like just there on the screen I mean it was the closest thing I'd ever seen uh, to anime on paper without having to pick up a, a manga book um, which you'd have to read back to front I would be in color which already I was automatically put off um, but anyway basically what happens that uh, issues 341 to 350 the X-Men teams get split into two and both get thrown out of their comfort zone so on one side, uh, basically, um, 
one team gets transported to space and one team stays on Earth. The team that stays on Earth actually ends up participating in a story arc called Operation Zero Tolerance, which is about uh, a sentinel which has been spliced of like human DNA, I think, and it's after all of the mutants and the X-Mansion gets blown up. Uh, and they capture Jubilee and they find out all the secrets and the X-Men essentially go on a run. It basically becomes like a road trip for them. Uh, but that's not the story I'm going to be con concentrating on. The story I'm going to be concentrating on is the second team that actually gets transported to space by Gladiator, who's part of the Shire Royal, Royal Guard, uh, who's basically looking for help because they have to fight this mysterious villain. Now I'm going to say one thing. When somebody like Gladiator comes asking for help, you know you've got shitloads of trouble coming your way because Gladiator has gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Thor. He's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with, you know, with the Hulk. This guy is a true badass. But anyway, the TV ends up taking with him to space. Consists of Bishop, Gambit, Joseph, in brackets, who is the, the clone of Magneto, Rogue, <laughs> Beast, and Beast's then-girlfriend, Trish, Trish Tilby who's like some anchor woman for like a TV station or something. Uh, and basically they end up fighting the, this, this alien um, organism or sentient organism called the Phalanx. Uh, and basically it's just them fighting against this. The, the Phalanx's main ambition in life or main mission in life is to assimilate all human life. So imagine a comic book version of the Borg, except that they were actually living... Like living, like living machines, like like liquid living machines. So like almost like a, the Terminator T one thousand. But anyway, so they end up having these fights with with the, with the Phalanx. End up coming back, to, back, coming back to Earth and being taken hostage by two other amazing characters called Spat and Gobble. Uh, Spat, like a, a year old uh, Sheena, Shana, she devil of the jungle, and Gobble is just this big lizard. Who I imagine the way how his voice was, was you know, his voice was written sounds like um would sound like um like someone from Brooklyn. But anyway, they've they've done some work with Gambit before and they actually captured the X Men and they, you know, try and split them up by trying to divulge like secrets of of each member. But this isn't what's this isn't why this is my guilty pleasure. Throughout this whole series, right, throughout this whole arc, there's this three way love triangle, right? Between Gambit Joseph, who is the clone of Magneto, and Rogue. Anybody who's a good, who's you know who's an old school X Men fan will know that at some point, um, Rogue and, and and Magneto actually had like you know a proper fallen relationship. So where everyone thought that Joseph was like Magneto, just the aged, they were like, oh my god, so what's gonna happen to like you know to you know to the original Romeo and Juliet star-crossed lovers of our X Men universe, which is Gambit and Rogue. So I actually remember reading. Like the the letters pages of people like and it was divided like people saying like oh my god you know what like you know you gotta keep Rogue with Gambit he's worked so hard you can't give it to you can't give Rogue to you know to Joseph he's Magneto he's killed people he's ripped the adamantium out of out of you know out of Wolverine he's done really really bad things let me tell you something when I was reading this story arc I wasn't a comic book fan saying oh my god like you know you know. You know, and, you know, gambits, telekinetic, um, you know, um, uh, hyperkinetic throwing cards, or the way how Rogue, Rogue can absorb powers. No, I wasn't interested in that. I was a 15-year-old girl called Stacy, wanted to see these two people get together and be ever after. That's how it was, man. I might as well have been watching Dawson's Creek when I was reading this arc here, yeah? because every single month, like, and basically how how it worked is that each issue would actually, and would actually alternate between, you know, each team. 
So one month would be Operation Zero Tolerance, the other month would be like the space one. And I would still buy Operation Zero Tolerance because, like I said, this is a guilty pleasure and I need to have all issues. But really what I wanted to see was happening with the, you know, the Starcross lovers up in space. And, um, and I mean, essentially how it ends is, spoiler, is um, you find out that Gambit, after years and years and years of having this terrible secret, you find out that he was the person that led the Marauders down into the Morlock tunnels uh, for Mr. Sinister and got a lot of the Morlocks killed. Uh, basically, Rogue finds out gets really really upset and basically kicks him out of the X-Men but I just remember this whole thing of like like I remember like Gambit just being he if Gambit was like in a 90s TV show or was like in a 90s film like he, he would he would be played by uh, let me think of somebody did any of you guys used to watch Beverly Hills 90210 mm-hmm. yeah so he would be played by Dylan the guy who played Dylan where he's just constantly frowning, <laughs> yeah, almost like there's a, there's a cloud just hovering over his head. There's a bit in the there's a bit in one of the comic books where they've just finished defeating the phalanx, but they have to like um they're having this celebration, and then Gabbett's got no top on and he's like in the woods somewhere and he's burying the dead and there's this scene where it's kind of like a silhouette shadow and he's got no top on and and there's a moonlight and he's standing in that pose where, you know like you know that that pose of like how men stand when they're meant to be like yeah I'm a man who's got a lot in his mind. That just that stereotypical pose, and I was like, "Shit, man, that's just that's how I want to be when I get older. I don't I don't want to be just clean cut. I just want to be this guy who's got so many conflicting things, but just wants a good woman. And even though that woman doesn't want me, this is my guilty pleasure for X Men, Uncanny X Men issue 341 to 350, where I wish my 15 year old girl called Stacy. <laughs> All right, thanks, Rich. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't know, you know, I don't think, you see, I don't think we can put that in, because that actually sounds like a good arc, <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like the arc is shit, it actually sounds like it's good, um, and also because I liked the payoff at the end where you found out about um, Gambit leading uh, to the, the death of the Morlocks, um, and him being cast out of the X-Men, I, I actually really liked that, um, and I think I still do. So I don't know, I'm a bit conflicted about that one. Um, Alvin, what do you reckon? Mm, yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, mm. at least there's actual conflict going on there. You know what I mean? And it's it doesn't really seem like it has... It seems like it's got maybe slightly cheesy points, but that relationship, like you said, that's like one of the crux of X-Men at the time. It's just like, it's iconic. And you were living it as it was happening. So... <laughs> It doesn't actually sound that bad. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, based on your de- your recommend um, your description of it, I would actually like go and read it now, <laughs> like because of the way you described it. Like, I I think it's actually good. So, yeah, I don't think um, we can put that one on the list. So it's going to come down to I think either Star Wars, Kanan, or Night Stalkers, um, Rise of the Midnight Suns. Uh, what do you think? I'm God, this is hurting me to say it, but I think it's going to have to be Rise of the Midnight Suns, to be honest. <laughs> um, the artwork is so good, though. Like, I was just checking out the artwork, and I was like, shit, this looks freaking awesome. You know what I mean? All yeah, those the, artwork is, the artwork's amazing. It, it oh. is. Um, it's, it's just the writing that's just like... God, I mean, like, the character of Vengeance, um, who's one of the uh, Spirits of Vengeance... 
Um, I mean, Jesus Christ, they go to like no lengths at all to explain how he got <laughs> the spirit of vengeance at mm. all. But he's some police officer, like uh, talking about like mid nineties cliches, Rich. Yeah. Um, is a character called Michael Baldino. Yeah. Um, he's an Italian American cop, homicide cop, whose partner <laughs> was killed in front of him. <laughs> so he carries anger in his heart and a burning desire to see vengeance carried out against those who <laughs> who have committed crimes. And literally every scene that he's in, he's drawn in a way where he's either sitting in a chair and his head's down and he's skulking, or they've drawn him deliberately in like half shadow across his face. It's yeah. like half of his face is kind of covered in, in darkness. And you're like, fuck, you know, like, could you be any more ham-fisted with, <laughs> and obvious with this, like, but then his introduction, like, where he first goes um, and hears the, the calling of the spirit of vengeance and then transforms into vengeance is so brilliant. Like, he, he's sitting in the police station. He's getting mad. He can hear the screams of um, people who are being attacked, like, uh, however many blocks away. Um, in downtown New York by um, a couple of the demons, I think Meat Market and, and Blackout, I think they were called, um, which were two deep, by the way, Google that, viewers. <laughs> Meat Market and Blackout, they were two villains um, from that run who were just fucking terrible. <laughs> but, uh, literally the epitome of like, yeah, we couldn't be bothered to come up with anything creative. So this one's going to be called Meat Market and that one's going to be called Blackout because he blacks things out. Yeah! <laughs> 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 but um, he like he he's feeling the spirit of vengeance, and he busts like out of a third floor window, and then somehow lands onto his flaming motorbike, which comes from nowhere and just comes at the bottom <laughs> of the street, and he lands on the motorbike, and then there's like a, um, an image of him on the motorbike, and he's just like hench. like I mean seriously built, like his shoulders are up here, he's got no neck. His arms are like that, and he's got huge fucking spikes that are like twice the size of his head. Um, and his flaming skull, for some reason, is not a human skull. It's like some kind of horse's head or something. It just, it, it's just, like, it's just, it's just the weirdest. It makes no sense. Um, and yeah, I loved it. Um, so yeah, I think as much as I, I hate to admit it, um, it's going to have to be Rise of the Midnight Suns. Um, so, viewers, Rise of the Midnight Suns is going to be our craptastic recommendation in comics. Um, again, I'll make sure that a, a link for that goes up um, underneath wait, the wait, videos. You didn't ask me. You didn't ask me. Well, you've kind of put all your chips into X-Men, haven't you? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Like, for me, no, like, as much as like obviously hearing you guys, but I think I'd have to go with Alvin for what's it called for um for Star Wars. Well, Alvin, did you want Star Wars in there, or do you um prefer Rise of the Midnight Suns? You can have Star Wars in there if you want because it's not it's like it's cool because it's fucking Star Wars, but it's fucking annoying because it's just like there's no suspense. It's it's mainly flashbacks, and you know if you're watching Rebels at the same time, yeah, it offers you some of his past, but it's just like. You enjoy the clone troopers and all that shit and Order 66. It's like watching episode 3 again. That's pretty much it. So it's just, it's cool, but it's just like, again, it's it's annoying. It's like, it's less a guilty pleasure and more an annoying good thing. It's like a comic book version of how we described The Walking Dead. Where it's like, you become, yeah. you become so invested that you can't leave. 
You just a yeah. <laughs> Star Wars and Star Wars in general it just has its claws in me. You know what I mean? Star Wars comics at the moment, I spend all my money on that shit, and I'm not even like happy about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just like it's it's all right in places, and other places it's not. It's like it's less a guilty pleasure, but more like a, a an annoying half decent thing. But yeah, if you want to put it in there, I don't mind. I'm not gonna like cry about it. And neither is George Lucas. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle George don't give a damn right now, man. He's oh, man. pretty. And neither do Disney. Disney are laughing. Laughing all the way to the back. So, um, Yeah, alright then. To save my sanity, let's put Star Wars in instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to hold on to the Night Stalkers and, and hug them to my chest. So, um, yeah, we'll change that, folks. So we're going to go with Star Wars instead. Uh, Star Wars Kanan. Uh, so I'll make sure that I put a link up for that. Um, at the end of the video, so you can check that out for yourselves if you want to. Okay, guys, so we've come up to um, the final topic, which is movies. Um, now, for this one, I've got an absolute corker, but I imagine you two have got, like, corkers as well. Um, who wants to go first, Alv or Rich? I'll go first. <laughs> yeah. I just want to get out of the way, just in case anyone else says the same one as me. Right, uh, this film, yeah. Right, I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking, oh, it looks freaking sick, right? And then I didn't see it until, like, it was on Channel 5 one night, but I could only record half of it. So I always had the half of the ending, the end the end half, like, yeah. on video, recording on VHS, and I used to watch it a lot, just because it looked freaking amazing. But obviously, the older I got, the more I kind of realized that it, it wasn't really that good, uh, but it looks great, and it is enjoyable. And that movie, my friends, is... What year was it? Oh, I don't know what year it was. I think it was either night. I think it was ninety-eight or ninety-nine. I think ninety-nine. And yeah. uh, that movie is Starship Troopers. Oh, oh nah. Okay, okay. Starship Troopers, and the reason why is because right, it's set in Buenos Aires, but there's no Hispanic people in it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's Buenos Aires, and everyone's like got Californian, freaking American accents, right? <laughs> And like it's the future and all this business, but everyone's like, yeah, it's Buenos Aires, but it's been taken over by white middle class Americans, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just like, oh, we're at war with fucking insects who are shooting out fucking asteroids or whatever to Earth, but there's like an Earth, def- you know, and everything about it is just a bit like, what? You fighting <laughs> bugs, but why though? Why do you hate him so much? But it is a good film at the same time, though, right? Because, obviously, it is essentially like a send-up of fascism. Yeah, yeah. And at first, when you watch it, you don't even really fucking realise that. It's only when you get older, you go, yo, man, these guys are, like, fucking like Nazis and that. They're not, yeah. they're not the good guys in this at all. You know what I mean? It's like, to, be a, to have, like, children or some shit like that, you have to serve time in the freaking... Uh, in the military and all this business and get citizenship and all this and they live in a, like this weird ass like freaking society and that but yeah it's kind of cheesy in places there's some bad acting there's a bit of boob in there as well for a, when you're a younger lad and you enjoy seeing a nipple in a movie and um, yeah man Starship Troopers I, I love it at the same time I'm like yeah it's shit but it's good though it is good shit you know what I mean that Starship Troopers is that 100% nail on the head it's, it's a good shit movie with wicked effects as well that still stand up today, by the way. True, true, very true. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, Paul Verhoeven is is a genius because how he managed to dress up a, a satire about fascism yeah. in a Hollywood blockbuster mm-hmm. and get it made 
and it make money is is crazy. Like I I, I don't know how he did that. But obviously the studio thought they were making Star Wars, but <laughs> what they got was some next next weird thing. And also the cast as well. Come on, man, you've got yeah. bloody what Casper Van Dien, Di- Di- what Dinah Mayer. Denise yeah, Richards, Dina Mayer, yeah, yeah, Jay Boosie, uh, Neil well, Patrick Harris, man. Forget Michael that. Ironside, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael Ironside as well, and Clancy Brown's in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Madcast, and yeah, Amy no, Smart no. as well, but she barely has any lines. Oh shoot, you're right. Okay, I remember her. Oh, She's oh, not yeah, in yeah. about two scenes. Yeah. Yeah. We well, yeah, got, I love that you movie. got such a strong start, man. Very strong yeah. start. Um, Rich, you up next? Man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to go there. I'm gonna have to take you back down that path again, Jason. That you just came off, uh, and maybe bring up some bad memories. But it's gonna be. Um, well, it was known as, as three different names, you know, depending on where <laughs> oh, here we go. you watch this film. But uh, it was. <laughs> it was known as Blade Trinity. <laughs> yeah. Blade Three. Or Blade Three Trinity, because all three of those names sound really, really different. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Blade, Blade Three. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna oh. jump. Like the first, the first. Okay, look, the first film is easily probably one of the best comic book films ever made. Gangster. And I think, yeah, and I think a lot of people really don't appreciate it, and they really need to pay homage to it because, me personally, without the first Blade film. The you know the travesty that was Batman and Robin that actually got comic book films stopped or stopped you know stopped being made. Um, it, it kind of put everything back on. Remember, Blade the original Blade film came out before X Men. So like you know so I I think it just did everything. It was it was just an amazing film. And Blade two just you know just up the ante with um with um Romero del Toro at the helm, and, and basically you know just you know just opened up the world of you know what else was there. And it just seemed to be like you know like on a really 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 good path, and then Blade Trinity came up, and you was like, what the f- what? Who? Like what the fuck? Like Wesley? You know, I'm I'm gonna break it down. Wesley didn't even look hench anymore. Like he didn't look. <laughs> he wasn't ripped. He had, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not body shaming or anything, but I'm just saying that the thing about Wesley, what he did for for Blade in in the in the first two films, that he generally was. That superhero, he looked at like, like that superhero. The same way how Chris Evans, when you look at Chris Evans in Fantastic Four, when he plays the Human Torch, and you see him as Captain America now, like he physically looks like Captain America. He embo- he embodied he embodies America, yeah. <laughs> so like Wesley Snipes was Blade, and then come by like the part three, like he does. He's like I said, he's not big, he's not ripped. He's only in a few scenes. He ends up being saved by. The Night Stalkers, which consists of like Hannibal King and 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 Abigail Whistler, which is you know who is the Whistler's illegitimate daughter, and you you're just like wow, like where the hell did you drag this story up? Like you must really think we're stupid that we're gonna pay money for. Oh no, wait a minute, actually I'm sitting in the cinema watching this. Fuck it, let's watch it. Okay, cool. And so and and what it is and and the guilty thing about it is that they yeah, they they treat Blade like it is not even a Blade film. This is the thing is it's you could easily see that it's um it's you know it's kind of like a how can I what's the best way to put it they were introducing these night stalkers to maybe have like some form of spin-off film or some form of spin-off TV show and deep down Ryan Reynolds is a good-looking fella Jessica Biel is is a, you know she's a she's a beautiful woman I would have watched a film with the minute or a TV show with the minute 
like and you know and they've got the cool costumes and they've got the ice cookery weapons where they've got you know guns that fire you know solar flares and stuff like that out i i enjoyed that part of it as as cheesy and as, as cheesy and as, and as corny as it was that was actually the best part of it but that's the reason why this film grates on my nerves so much because it wasn't their film it was a blade film those are the, so those are the, those points the other point is the villain you go and get dracula okay listen don't go to the, don't go to the source material because if you go to the source material and you don't do well right you're just going to mess up everything that's number that's you know that's the first point the second point you bring dracula into it and you get him played by dominic purcell from <laughs> <laughs> fucking purcell <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it one more time. Yeah, Dominic Purcell. And then I'm gonna ask you a question. What part of Dominic Purcell says Dracula? Zero. <laughs> exactly. No comment. <laughs> so you got that. So you got that as a villain. And then you and then you go and kill off Whistler, who's easily probably one of the best characters in the series as well. If not even, you know, sometimes you know, depending on how I'm feeling, a better character than Blades because you've just got this grizzled old, you know, he's almost like the gunslinger. You know, that you know, like a, a day age, you know, like a warrior that's actually past his time, but his methods still work. And then you've got like, you know, Blade, who's like the modern day samurai, who's been trained by this gunslinger to, you know, to deal with, you know, to deal with the new threats. And you go and kill him off in like the the, the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where you're just like, man, like, why, why would you do this? Like, why would you do this? One of the guilty things that I love about this film is the comedy. Is I mean like as bad as it may seem and as and as and as forced as it may feel as well, I think it it plays up to one of Ryan Reynolds' you know greatest strengths that you know that we all love him for, which you can easily see, or especially see when he when he plays Deadpool now, or when he plays any character, but especially Deadpool. Um, so that that was one of the things that I mean there's a there's a really really funny scene um, that we because I watched Blade Trinity in the cinema, um, yeah I gave money to this. Uh, we watched it in the cinema, and there's a bit where basically he wakes up after being captured, and um, uh, and he wakes up to this Pomeranian vampire. But it's the is the is the way how he just wakes up and is like, what the fuck? When this vampire, you know, when this vampire little Chihuahua-looking dog's face just opens up and these jaws come out. So that was just funny. So in the cinema, I was laughing. And you know what? I'm I'm I don't care what your sexual orientation is. I don't care whether you're gay, whether you're straight. But I'm telling you, man, there's one bit where Ryan Reynolds is chained to the floor and he's got no top on, and he <laughs> and I was like, fuck yes, yeah. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna lie, yeah. If I was in prison and I had to hold someone's pocket, I would hold his pocket, <laughs> yeah. And if I go training, that's what I'm gonna look like, right? So so there's that, and then um, yeah. So I mean, like is like I said, so and. When I, whenever I do watch this film over, uh, I mean, I had it on DVD at one point, uh, and I got rid of it. But when it does come on TV, I always watch it because there's always that little part of me where I'm thinking that, you know, maybe it's not going to be as bad as the last time. Maybe I'm, I'm going to see some form of spark that will be like, oh, wow, I missed that bit. That, and, and it might change the, my whole outlook of the film. I mean, there's certain scenes in it where, like, Blade isn't even being played by Wesley Snipes. And you can tell, that's, that's how much you can tell that he embodied the character of Blade because... You can tell physically by the way how this person's walking or how this the way how this person's fighting that that's not Wesley. So you know, I mean, like it, it's it's sad to the end of a, what could what should have been like an amazing trilogy, but uh, it's still a very much a guilty pleasure of mine. And I love the ending. At I love the ending where there's a, a special ending where they kill all the vampires, uh, and basically the next type of villains that you see them fighting against is uh, is are basically werewolves. 
and that would have led into like a, a Night Stalker spin-off. Um, is that on the DVD? Because I've never seen that, and I'm actually quite shocked. Because yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a deleted, it's a deleted ending. I have seen it's, an alternate, it's an alternate one. Where, no, actually, yeah, no, yeah. I've seen an alternate one. Yeah, yeah, alter, yeah alternate ending. Because there, there's three different endings for Blade Trinity. Three. There's one, yeah, there's three. There's one where he becomes the vampire. He wakes up in the morgue and he he sees him attack the the FBI agents and bite them on the neck. Yeah, I think I've seen that one. And then the next one is basically what is it again? Is where he um you find they have Blade's body on the autopsy um, table and then it changes into Drake's and then basically it just de- decomposes. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, so you see Blade riding off and they basically say that they never saw Blade again, but they always heard the stories of all these the whatever vampires survived. You heard stories of them being killed off by Blade, so you know that he did survive. And then obviously you've got these these um, you know the Night Stalkers one that would have led off into their into their spinoff. Um, and and the thing that's really good about the Night Stalkers ending is that they fight against this vampire that's animatronic. And I, I love all that stuff. I like, I love going back to like you know sometimes CGI is good, but when it's physically there and you see you know people acting against it, it just makes it feel that little bit more real. Um, but yeah, that, that that's that's my guilty pleasure. For you know, for oh, oh, wait a minute, one last guilty pleasure from that film, Triple H. I don't know what the fuck you were doing in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Vince McMahon needed a bit more money. I don't know if you're trying to become the next Rock or something like that. But yeah, yeah, that that's it. That's my guilty pleasure. Blade Three, Blade Three Trinity, or just Blade Trinity, or just Blade. You're a piece of shit, but I will still watch you on Channel Five on a Thursday night at 11:30. Eating ice cream. So yeah. <laughs> AKA Blade watch Wesley Snipes throw a monumental tantrum and not bother to do any work. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, cool, cool man. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Right guys, well it's time for my one now. Now I had a hard time with this because I've got a few films that I consider to be guilty pleasures, but if there was one film that I had to pick that really kind of screams crap, yet so much fun, is this one. And I'm going to read you the description for it that I found on Google, okay? Uh, Let's see if you can get it without me naming any actors. Chance Boudreau, a sailor skilled in martial arts, is employed to guard Natasha Binder as she tracks down her father, I can't even finish it. It's it's a veteran Vietnam veteran living in New Orleans named Douglas. They soon uncover a sinister group of wealthy men who hunt the homeless for sport, paying them $10,000 if they could survive a cross-town journey. When Chance discovers that Natasha's father was one of the victims, he he decides to destroy the evil hunters. You've won. You've just won this because I'm back in that movie. I love that mullet. I love that it's set in New Orleans. I love all the weird accents. I love that it's on nearly on BBC One on a Friday near midnight. And I love the scene where he jumps over the. Oh my God! Where he jumps over the bloody. Where he's on the bike. Amazing film. Amazing. Uh, guys, everybody who's watching, if you haven't worked out what we're talking about yet, uh, the film is called Hard Target. Um, it's a film that stars <laughs> the muscles from Brussels himself, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, and it was the American directorial debut of uh, one of my favorite directors, John Woo. Um, now, this film is 
where where do you begin? There, there's so much, there's so much shitty joy to take out of this movie. It's like from you know the the, the dialogue, which is just wow. There's some fantastic lines in there. Everything from how does it feel to be hunted <laughs> to, <laughs> to poor people get bored too to um, God, what was the other one that he um, that, ah, yes, um, Arnold Voslow's line. I don't get angry. I'm a professional. <laughs> he literally <laughs> says it like that. <laughs> There's just so much utter, utter garbage brilliance in this film. Um, this is a, a 1992 um, action movie. Um, it incorporated martial arts um, because obviously it stars Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, and you use martial arts in the loosest sense of the term. Now, not because there's anything wrong necessarily with Jean-Claude Van Damme's martial art, more just that the choreography is so woeful that literally when there are slow-mo scenes, you can actually see that his foot is a good five, six, seven inches away from the stuntman's face, yeah. yet somehow the stuntman is flying through the air <laughs> like he's just been hit by a, a haymaker from The Incredible Hulk. Um the mullet, as you mentioned, Alvin, is just is world class. World class. I mean, he's greasy and sweaty at the same time. <laughs> there, there are footballers from the early nineties who who must have been jealous of, of that hairstyle <laughs> because that, that it was just oh peak mullet. That's the phrase I use. <laughs> peak mullet. Um, so the cast, the cast had bloody Lance Henriksen in it. It had a said Arnold Voslow. It had um, Wilford Brimley, diabetes Wilford Brimley, <laughs> as, as Jean-Claude Van Damme's uncle. Like, it just was, it's just bonkers, stupid genius like, to, to include Wilford Brimley in this kind of film. Um, the action scenes in it are, some of them are actually really, really good. Um, some of the, the um, in particular, there's a, a shootout in the middle of the streets in New Orleans that leads to a motorbike chase that then leads to them jumping onto a speeding train. That was really good. That's really fun to watch. But whenever you watch that movie, it's just like you cannot help but die a little bit inside. <laughs> how bad it is. Like you literally feel your soul being crushed slowly. And like your conscience is is just there at the back of your brain, going, "Why are you doing this? Why? Why are you doing this?" And then the fucking teenage boy in you is going, "Shut up!" <laughs> I like John Claude Van Damme. Shut up. <laughs> this this film's just it's it's just it will it must go down as an absolute um, classic in in my opinion. Um, Rich, did you want to add something? To it? Listen, it's a hard target. I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, I actually want to go and see that film. Like, like, like you said, the mullet. I swear to God, I swear to God he has a shirt that has no sleeves. Like, mm. like he has a shirt with ripped off sleeves, or does he have a vest? Where he has, yeah, like he has a vest. No, he he, he progresses. He goes from um, <laughs> wow. from ripped up shirt. So he, so, go, he goes up from full sailor kit, so like peacoat, denim shirt. Then the, the peacoat comes off when the shootout, first shootout starts. So it's just the <laughs> denim shirt. and the, Then when they're on the run in the jungle, the denim shirt like, slowly starts to go. And then in the, towards the end of the scene, the climax, 
when he he has for some reason a fist fight with Lance Henriksen. Like, why would you, you why would you choreograph a fist fight between Jean Claude Van Damme and Lance Henriksen? Lance Henriksen's a great actor, but why? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? But anyway, in this in this part of the movie, he somehow manages to lose his denim shirt. And he's wrapping it, uh, bits of it around his hands so he could jump through some flaming fire to give him a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable. But sorry, go on, Richard. Um, yeah, there's just the thing is, there's just so many good scenes in it, and and the thing about that film and the thing about Van Damme anyway is that whenever I see his good films, it really upsets me that we like he actually could have been something. Like he he genuinely could like he I think he had a he had a, a lot of potential that people like Sylvester Stallone, Steven Seagal, Schwarzenegger, which they literally like you know they were just there because they were kind of like the first. But Van Damme genuinely did have something, and like you know when you watch like you said when when you watch um, Hard Target, as much as it's like a bad good film, like you can see the goodness in it, and and that and oh man it, it bring that that film brings tears to my eyes man. Yeah, but I love it, man. He knocks out a rattlesnake, doesn't he? Does he knock out a rattlesnake? Yes, he does. And that scene yes, is wicked. That scene is just immense. <laughs> he manages to catch a rattlesnake with one hand that's about to strike um, Yancey Butler. He catches it with one hand, punches the rattlesnake in the face to knock it out, <laughs> and bites off his tail with his teeth. <laughs> and leaves it in a tree for the bad guy <laughs> it's like it's like it's like they kind of gave that part of script writing duty to some kid to some 10 year old it's like okay he's going to punch a snake in the face and then he's going to put it in the tree and leave it in the tree for the bad guys and just as the bad guys come the snake's going to come out and bite somebody in the face <laughs> it's just there's just, it's, oh, it's just no no, kind. They literally just went. You know what? Fuck logic. Fuck science. We don't care. <laughs> we just want a scene with Jean Claude punching a snake in the face. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Jean Claude himself said, "I want to punch a snake in the face." And they said, "Okay, Jean Claude, we'll put that in." Probably, probably. Into, I'll tell you one thing as well. Probably when his clothes started derobing, that was he probably read and said, "No, no, wait, 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 guys, please come on, come here." Okay. Okay, so I'm reading this scene, and I think what would make this scene very, very good, you know, she's just found out that her father is dead. Um, maybe I should take my shirt off. Yeah, but 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 Jean Claude, no, I think my shirt would be very good in this scene. I think it would work. <laughs> Propel the emotion in the scene. I show my, my show my pecs and I show my biceps, and you're just like, fuck yeah, it probably would, you know. Go ahead, <laughs> do what you want. I mean, it's it's just there. There's so much random stuff to to unpick from that film. Um, there there really is. Like I said, it's so hard to know where to begin with it because there's just so much. Um, I mean, there's the there's one of the bad guys who's got like a gun that fires arrows, um, and I was like, why would you do that if you have a gun? Like, <laughs> if you have a gun, <laughs> you can't. Like, you don't need to put arrows inside a gun, bro. Like, <laughs> Um, there's a bit where his his uncle um, sets a trap for the bad guys who have followed um, uh, Chance and um, I've forgotten the name now, but have, have followed uh, Jean Claude and Yancy Butler to um, the uncle's house, and the uncle sets a trap for them, and somehow they manage to walk into a house full of gas. The uncle from horseback fires an arrow, 
and blows up the gas valve inside and that causes this massive explosion and then the rides off on horseback whilst they're firing machine guns and they can't hit him. It's like, it's like not even once, like not even a stray caught him and he literally rides through the fields. There, there's a wicked John Woo shot as well where he rides through the fields in slow-mo on horseback with his um, bow in the air and the explosion behind him, and he's just screaming like a nutter. And if you look at, like, um, Wolfram Ribley's face, he looks like the epitome of fucking stark raving mad lunatic <laughs> on the back of a horse. <laughs> and it's like, wait, he's one of the good guys? <laughs> what the hell is going on? Uh, that, that film is immense. It, it's, it's immense in its stupidity. It's immense in... It's, nonsense and yet it's just brilliant as I said I mean it 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 came on TV um, uh, Men in Movies I think it was uh, the, I think that's the name of the Sky Channel right Rich the, the one with yeah, it yeah. So, it came on and I shit you not I watched it from beginning to end from <laughs> beginning to end I watched it <laughs> like I was and I was fully committed to it as well <laughs> fully committed so yeah, that my choice uh, would be Hard Target by Jean-Claude Van Damme. So um, we have uh, Starship Troopers, uh, Blade, Trina, Free, D, whatever. Hard <laughs> 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 Target. Um, what do you think, gentlemen? Hard Target, easy, easily Hard Target. For me, easy. Uh, you, I, know, you know the reason why? Because okay, so the, the, I'll break it down for you. Because to me, Starship Troopers. It isn't a guilty pleasure film for me because and how it was filmed and you know like I think every basically from what from what I can gather everything was done on purpose. So like you said, like you know, the Living Brothers series but there's but there's no Puerto Rican people there, you know, like like everything was, was, was done with intent. So like I generally consider I even that's even that's easily one of my, my favourite films anyway. I like the way how it's filmed, down to the special effects, even down to the type of acting that you know that the actors and actresses do. So I generally consider it a good film. Like, so yeah. So, and Blade Trinity, like I said, I mean, it is what it is. Hard target. I think just on John Claude Van Damme's mullet alone, it should be, it should be, it should be picked. But that's my opinion. <laughs> Alvid, would you recommend? Okay. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm still too angry about Blade Trinity to consider it like anything else. Like when I saw that film. It was like being kicked in the dick several times. It was just like, what the fuck. But all I'm gonna say is this, yeah. Next time you should be more careful when you show your wallet. <laughs> you already know what my vote is. You already know. I forgot about that line, you know. I actually forgot about that. Oh, go on YouTube and try and find it. It's on that uh, that like movie clip channel. Oh, it's freaking amazing that scene where he kicks all the thugs and all that. Yeah. when you show your wallet, and it makes sense for him to be in New Orleans as well, because his accent is so fucked up anyway. That's the only place in America that he could be from. Do you know? I I believe that was the only reason why they set that film in New Orleans was purely because (laughs) it was the only way they could possibly explain his fucked up accent (laughs) without like kind of just coming out and saying the guy can't speak properly. What can Uh. we do? <laughs> oh, uh, that's where, you know, one day we're gonna have to get together and watch that movie. Oh, yeah, oh definitely, definitely. That. In fact, I, I would, you know, what I would love is if we could do a commentary on that. I think that would be uh, cool. yeah. awesome. That's something we're gonna have to do, man, for sure. Well, I, Put I it think, on the list. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, yeah, I think by a landslide, it looks like Hard Target is going to go on <laughs> the craptastic recommendations. All right, so cool. Thank you, guys. So, um, so viewers, we, we've got our list together of our craptastic recommendations. So just to go over them um, to make sure there's nothing that we missed out, we have uh, four video games. We have Enter the Matrix. Um, for TV, we have The Walking Dead. Uh, for comics, we have Star Wars Kanan. And for movies, we have Hard Target. I mean, what, what more could you want from that list? I mean, you've got a, <laughs> you've, you've got a list of absolute crap right there, guys. So, so if you're interested in any of those, knock yourself out, man. But um, as I said, what I'll do is I'll put up uh, links for all of these things uh, in the description of the YouTube video. So anybody who's watching who doesn't know any of these things or isn't familiar with them, um, you'll be able to click on there and find out a bit more um, and hopefully be able to track them down and enjoy a craptastic time. Um, guys, man, that was that was emotional. <laughs> a lot more emotional than I thought it would be. Um, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, do you want to add anything before we go? No, I'm good. I'm good. No, no I'm alright. You're good? Alright, yeah. well... Everybody, thank you who's watching this video. Um, if you enjoyed it, give us a thumbs up, please. Uh, share it with your friends and anybody you know who might be interested in watching it too. Uh, if you want to find out more about what we're doing, make sure you subscribe to our channel. Um, you could just click on the subscribe button uh, and the magic of YouTube will do the rest. Um, Alvin, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at BigA85GL. Cool, man. Rich, do you want to let everybody know where you're at? Yep. Uh, Instagram, I'm on at Rich Reviews. Twitter, I'm at Rich Reviews. Instagram, obviously, we're doing it, you know, me and Jason. We're at the Wulong Talks. Uh, the website, www.wulongtalks.com as well. And... Uh, for all you ladies out there, in your dreams. No, I shouldn't have said that, you know. I really shouldn't have said that. But... <laughs> Do you know, this is starting to become a theme, you know. <laughs> in every podcast, right at the end, you always say something risque. <laughs> like, I don't know why, I think you're getting far too comfortable with this no, stuff. No, you know, the spirit of John Claude Van Damme from Hard Target in God's gift right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, guys, um, I'm on social media too. Um, I write uh, fairly frequently for uh, the Wulong Talks blog, which is www.wulongtalks.com. Uh, if you want to come and shout at me for hating on The Walking Dead, you can do it on Twitter. Um, I'm at Wulong Talks. Um, we can have a healthy debate about why that show is a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and on Instagram, um, as I said I operate a joint account with Richard, which is Wulong Talks uh, on Instagram as well, so you'll find us there. Okay, well, thanks a lot for uh, watching along. Sorry, Yo. just one more thing. Uh, we've got a friend uh, who also has a YouTube channel and also has a comic book store. Uh, her name's Holly, and she owns a comic book store called Dark Side Comics. Uh, she has an amazing store. She's an amazing person, and she's also having a summer party at the comic book store this week or this weekend, and where there'll be loads of cosplay happening, uh, loads of other people just like us. Uh, some there'll be some artists there, do some commissions and a raffle. And um, 
me and Jason are going to be there, and uh, and basically, um, I think it'd be if you guys are interested in that type of thing, uh, definitely go along. You'll definitely enjoy yourself. What do you say to that, Jay? Uh, 100% agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dark Side Comics um, is okay. So if you're watching this from abroad, yeah, you can't really go. Sorry, <laughs> but you can buy stuff. She does have a website. Um, you would just need to Google Dark Side Comics UK, um, and that will pop up. Um, Holly will be very grateful uh, to see you and to hear from you. And uh, if you are around in the UK and you're at a loose end on Saturday. Uh, and you want to come and chat with some geeky people about geeky shit, there's no better place to go, to be honest. Um, she's very friendly, she's very welcoming, she's very knowledgeable as well, so she'll probably hook you up with some of the best uh, comic book titles that are out available at the moment, um, as well as lots of other um, merchandise and apparel as well. Um, what I'll do is I'll put a, a link to her website also in uh, the video description as well, so if you do want to go and have a look at the kind of things that she has to offer, um, you just need to click on the link uh, and it will take you there. All right, cool. Um, thanks a lot, guys, for tonight. It's been a blast. I've had a really good time. I've, I've laughed. Um, I've cried a little bit over the Night Stalkers. You know, I'll get over it. It'll take a while. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been real. <laughs> so um, with that, we're going to say good night. Uh, Rich, say good night. Good night. Oh, sorry. No, no, sorry. I need to... One we, I think they've got to stay in the French accent. One we, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up, man. And Alvin, say good night, man. See you later, people. All right, and that is uh, all for us. And um, we'll be back again real soon. And um, when we have a topic coming up, we'll let you know. So stay tuned and make sure you subscribe. Peace. See you later. We off?